welcome to Writing the Coast, the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. I'm your host, Megan Cole. On Writing the Coast, I interview the authors and illustrators whose books have been shortlisted for the annual prizes. As I've been doing the podcast, one of the things that always strikes me about the shortlisted books is the sheer diversity and variety of stories and books being written in BC and the Yukon. From graphic novels to memoirs, picture books, and cookbooks, the shortlist always highlights what amazing creative people call this part of the world home. Those who know me, or even just follow me on Instagram, will know that I love to cook. I even have a fork tattooed on one arm and vegetables tattooed to the other. So when I saw that there was a cookbook shortlisted for the prizes this year, I was beyond thrilled. It meant that my interview prep could include cooking. I've been a food writer and even edited a cookbook myself a couple years ago, so I was excited to sink my teeth into the interview prep for Cedar and Salt Vancouver Island Recipes from Forest Farm Field and Sea. Cedar and Salt was written by the creative pair of Emily Lycopolis and Danielle Aiken. And the book really is a collaboration. As you flip through the pages, you see the beautiful photos taken by Danielle, but you also see the writing and recipes contributed by the both of them. Their cookbook includes a variety of products and ingredients from Vancouver Island, from mushrooms to seaweed, and of course, blackberries. In this conversation, I interview Emily Lycopolis, and we talk about what drew them to writing a cookbook about Vancouver Island and why it's such a special place for food lovers. So Cedar and Salt is a cookbook about Vancouver Island to share the artisans and producers and the cuisine of the island and all of the innovative things that are happening in this beautiful part of the world. Uh, the Pacific Northwest has kind of been in the forefront of the culinary scene for a while and so many people don't realize how unique the island cuisine and culture is and yeah just all of the unique ingredients people don't realize that we have citrus groves and we grow figs and um, kiwi and all sorts of unique and different things here because of our climate and so especially when it compares to the rest of Canada we have such a unique kind of regional offering and this book was really inspired by the land and the people and um, just travels um, all over the island. Danielle and I both have lived here for many years. She grew up on the island and in Vancouver. I spent all of my summers here as a little girl. My mom is from uh, Victoria. Grandparents, of course, are from there in Mill Bay too. So I, uh, I spent growing up on the island and uh, yeah, we just wanted to really share this beautiful place with with the rest of the world. What was it about this cookbook that drew you? Because I know you've written many, many other cookbooks. Mm -hmm. um, so what was it about this one in particular that intrigued you? Yeah, so this book was, um, I guess we really wanted this book to be special and regional and, and really showcase the producers. Um, some of the other cookbooks that I've done have been more um, like focused on a, a product or focused on a specific like vision and we really wanted this one to kind of be a little bit more encompassing and just share the stories of the people um, we have the only tea farm in Canada uh, on Vancouver Island we have like I said the citrus grove we have kiwi farms we have all of these unique things that most people don't realize are like native are actually happening here on Vancouver Island. And so a lot of the inspiration from the book came from the people um, coming to the farmer's market and you see, you know, 
peppers that you normally only find in Spain. We have Padron peppers here, um, all sorts of different produce and, and artisans just doing so many innovative things. And we really wanted to showcase and just share their stories um, through the recipes. Um, that was another reason why we divided the book. Um, the chapters are field, forest, farm, and sea. And the reason for those four chapters is really the island isn't just about the ocean as much as we're surrounded by water and and love love the ocean and what it what it brings to us. We have rainforest, we have fields, we grow red five wheat, we have so much diversity. Um, we really wanted to kind of showcase that even through the layout of the book. And it is a bit of a unique layout, I guess, for a cookbook, because a lot of them are either structured around, you know, the progression we see in a meal or even the meals of a day. Um, and so how were the recipes structured then within each section? Did you try and stick with that kind of format, the one that we're all more accustomed to? We did, yeah. So that was, we had many discussions about how to kind of structure it because we really loved the idea of those chapters and focusing on on the different components. So within each chapter, it is from breakfast to dessert um, is, is the progression. And we really did our best. And of course, there's ingredients that are involved in, in everything. But um, for farm, we wanted to keep everything based on um, essentially what would come from a farm. So that's your meat, your poultry, your dairy. Um, field is anything that's grown or cultivated. So that's everything from lettuce and greens to berries to um, yeah, wheat, that kind of thing. And then forest is anything foraged. And there's so much backyard foraging that happens here as well as just blackberries grow on the roadside. So there's just so much foraging that happens. So that was forest. And then sea is understandably anything that comes from the ocean yeah. so yeah we had a lot of fun coming up with a dessert that involved the sea yeah I was intrigued by that one <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of my favorites that was one of Danielle's recipe and the nori bark is so good <laughs> how did you and Danielle meet oh um we actually met on uh, the photo shoot for my first cookbook so the publishers we were working with Touchwood, the same publishers for this book suggested that she would be a really good fit for my first book and so we met on set and yeah we've been fast friends ever since and yeah she shot all of my books and so this was really fun to kind of dive into a collaborative effort with her and do more of yeah like get her developing recipes and um yeah this book was super collaborative which was really fun but yeah that's how we met that's great. Uh, I really like the collaborative approach. It comes across really nicely with, you know, seeing the different initials next to the writing and that sort of thing. It, it, it's neat to see the two personalities come together on the page like that. Thank you. Yeah, we had fun with it. And we are very similar, but very different. So yeah, it was fun to be able to incorporate our own voices throughout the book. So how did your passion for food come about? I grew up on the kitchen counter. So <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in a family that loved food and we always had a big garden and um, I just, I guess it was probably in university. I really realized how different my upbringing was, you know, growing up on the kitchen counter and, and uh, you know, being able to make a pie and arrange peaches in the, in the canning jars, but because my hand was small enough to fit inside those kinds of things is not normal. And I didn't realize that. And so um, when I was in university, I was the one who was, you know, making cinnamon buns in the toaster oven and all sorts of silly things like that. So I just loved how food brought people together and how the community that formed around a table was really special. And I just loved how 
yeah, community and food are kind of one hand in hand. And so that's really what started my passion for food and, and connecting people and being able to kind of link those two together was really special. Why do you think it is that Vancouver Island uh, in particular has developed this really interesting kind of foodie culture? It's now a destination for people and having grown up there, I never thought of it as anything very special, (laughs) but it's been really great to see it kind of take on this identity. But why do you think that is? That's a really good question because I'm kind of with you in that it was never anything special and then all of a sudden it became very special. And I think a lot of it just has to do with people moving here. There's actually a lot of people from from away that are coming to the island and and seeing it with different eyes. And so even though, you know, I totally took for granted being able to pick blackberries by the roadside on my way to school and, you know, that was just a daily snack um, in the summertime and in the fall, I don't think that you know, we necessarily see the island the way that people from away do. And so those who've come have really kind of been able to cultivate it and grow it and and show us what a treasure we really have. And that was something that I really learned on our journeys, you know, connecting with farmers. Some of them are generational and have been here forever. And then others have said, no, we moved here from Europe because we love the land or we loved, you know, this particular, you know, we loved tea and we couldn't we couldn't cultivate it anywhere else. And, you know, this was the perfect location. And so we came here specifically to be able to grow or raise the specific, you know, pigs or whatever um, it would be. And so it was really interesting in our travels to be able to hear the stories as to why people are doing what they're doing and why they're doing it here. And I think that that speaks to, yeah, just we take the island for granted in so many ways. And this book and the research that went into it really made me take a step back and appreciate what we actually have here. Yeah. Can you share one of the stories that you kind of stumbled upon while you guys were on your travels that's really stuck with you? Mm, that's a good question. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. Um, there's a farm in the Cowton Valley and they raise um, chickens and pigs and they're like a, a meat meat raising farm. And they moved here from, I believe it was Portugal, and to see the care that they had for their pigs, I have never seen anything quite like it. Um, they actually move their pigs over like wildflowers and grasses, so they're never in the mud. So they like rotate the field and where the pigs are like hemmed in and allow them to enjoy like a pasture but it's constantly moving. So they move the fence, like I think it was 10 feet every week. And that way the pigs are always on um, fresh, fresh grass, fresh flowers is what they're eating. Yeah. And it was just so cool to see the, the care um, that they had for their pigs. They fed them leftover apple mash from the cidery that was local. They fed them all sorts of delicious leftovers from restaurants and things. They're the most loved cared for pigs. I think I'd ever ever met <laughs> and uh, that was really special um the other the other one that really stood out for me was uh, McClintock's dairy they're just outside of Courtney and they were originally in dairy and um, dairy cows Holsteins and decided to move into Buffalo and um to watch them like pet the babies and care for them and they're building new barns to be able to have like open air so they can enjoy the outdoors and the indoors and be sheltered at the same time and just the care and 
just genuine affection they have for their animals was really special. All of them have names. They name them um, based on the year. So like the first year was A, the second year is B. And so each of the, each of the buffalo have different, yeah, different first letters of their names and all of them are named and they know them by that, which is really special. And you can tell that the animals are loved and they, they appreciate them. They come over when called, they're more like pets in some ways than animals, but it was just really special to be able to just see the relationship between animal and, and farmer. Yeah. That's not one of the things I think so special about the food on Vancouver Island is especially these small producers, the care and the concern for whatever product it is, whether it's, you know, a bottle of balsamic vinegar or a thing of mozzarella, it really comes across. And I think that's what makes it so special. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. And, and the care that we take for everything we do here, I think, you know, when they say this ain't the mainland, like slow down, this ain't the mainland. It's really true. We, we take care and we, yeah, it, it's special and, and we do our best not to take it for granted. It's, it's not the busy of the city. Yeah. Was there ever a concern for you two in making a regional cookbook like this that maybe like folks uh, in Ontario or whatever wouldn't wouldn't get it or wouldn't be able to find the ingredients? But then at the same time, it does seem like there's this trend in Canada around these regional cookbooks, mm-hmm. which is so fantastic. It is, yes. And I think uh, we did our best to incorporate regional foods, but not ones that are foreign, if that makes sense. So probably the hardest things for someone in, say, Ontario to find would be the seafood, although not impossible. Um, They're able to get blackberries and, you know, satsuma oranges and those kinds of things uh, just as easily as we can from the grocery store. So I don't think it would be out of reach. And one of the things that we heard from a lot of people in different parts of Canada and even parts of America was just how much they loved being able to enjoy the regional recipes that they missed. And so lots of people who lived here, grew up and left um, were, you know, just so excited to be able to see what's happening on the ground at home and also, um, yeah, be able to enjoy and appreciate those recipes. Yeah. What's it been like for you as a, as a cookbook creator and a recipe, uh, what's the term? Recipe developer? <laughs> uh, recipe developer. What's it been like for you to see this kind of evolution in cookbooks in Canada? Because I know you've done um, regional cookbooks as well, but more elsewhere. What's it been like for you to watch the interest of kind of food culture within Canada blossom? It's really exciting. I've I've found it really wonderful to be able to watch and see just how kind of the face of the cookbook culture is changing. And especially as kind of the book and publishing world changes, um, I think it's amazing how cookbooks are still staying so relevant and how um, readers are kind of gobbling them up and just really enjoying diving into very hyper-local and very specific, the regionality of Canada. I remember as a kid, as a Canadian, it was like poutine and butter tarts were her only real foods. And to watch all of these really incredible foods come out of these different regions, because we are such a beautiful mosaic as a country, watching that grow and evolve and and show up in the cookbook scene is really special. What were some of the recipes that became favorites for you in the cookbook? Oh, 
Goodness. Well, I already mentioned the nori bark, the chocolate nori bark. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. The lilac um, celebration cake with the Satsuma buttercream is definitely a favorite of mine. We have that one every spring for Mother's Day usually because that's when the lilacs are out. And I love that lilacs taste the way that they smell, um, which is just so fun. We use lavender a lot, I find, but um, lilacs are a favorite. So, And it is spring, so that's always a favorite of mine. I love the crab louie. That's actually my great-grandmother's recipe. And it's something that we would serve for Sunday lunch. Um, it's really simple. It's um, served in like a crab tureen, um, and you just serve it with really good bread. Um, simple and delicious. And that's what I found. Most of the recipes in the book, they are um, easy, easy, simple, delicious was what we were going for, something that was really accessible. And we really wanted this book to live on people's on their counters. We didn't want it to be a coffee table book necessarily or one that would just be, you know, oh, look at these beautiful photographs. Um, which they are, and we wanted them to be stunning, of course, but we didn't want it just to be about the pictures. We wanted it to be covered in coffee rings and, and a book that was used. And so creating recipes that were really accessible and um, delicious and fun, scalable, those kinds of things were really important when we were coming up with all of the ideas. So yeah, there's, I could name all of them. <laughs> it's always like Sophie's choice, isn't it, to pick exactly. a favorite recipe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so many of them I find are, well, they're seasonal, but I find that when I write a recipe, especially when it lands in a book and I've read it a hundred times, just going through the publishing process, um, it leaves my brain and then I end up referencing my own book to make them again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun that way to kind of go back through and, and remake things. Yeah, I tried. I wanted to try a few of the recipes over the weekend before I chatted with you. And uh, I made the wild mushroom burgers, and those are amazing. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, the blue cheese dressing <laughs> on there is like next level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I really love those burgers, and I love that they hold together. That was my mission when I was making that recipe: was to find like a veggie burger that didn't just like fall apart, and it didn't taste like cardboard. It was like soft and delicious and burger-like, but not neat. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ta ask you a little bit about the concept for the photos in the book. And I know Danielle's not with us on the call, but what was the conversation between the two of you around the, the look you wanted for the book? Oh, that's a very good question. And she would be the, the one to answer that for sure. But we really wanted it to be representative of the island. We wanted it to feel like home. We wanted it to feel like the place, whether it was the lighting, whether it was um, the colors, um, everything about the images, we really wanted to make sure they were of time and place. And so we traveled extensively. Um, she took a trip actually up to Port Hardy. We traveled like every corner of the island to Fino. You feel it. Like I said, Port Hardy, even south um, as well, down to Souk to make sure that we had the island well represented and, and that we really had all of the variety um, that was, that, that is here that's represented here and the the island is so vast we really wanted it to be a true representation of what's here and for locals and people from away alike to be able to look at it and know that it is truly a a, a capture of Vancouver Island and I saw some some faces and people in there are those uh family members and folks you know that joined you on your travels uh yes so that's either friends family or um or the producers themselves we have lots of lots of images and even some hands and things that aren't necessarily a face, but, but hands in the photos are, um, 
or the producers or the farmers themselves. Yeah. What was the response from the producers and farmers to be highlighted in this way? They were really surprised. I think a lot of them were were very humbled and kind of surprised that we would pick them. They don't necessarily see themselves as being that special. So when I when I would call and say like, "Hey, we'd love to interview you. We'd love to see your farm and you know and connect and chat," they were a little bit, you know, shy <laughs> in a really lovely way. And so it was really lovely to connect with them and be able to affirm and let them know that they are really special and they're doing an incredible job and being able to showcase and just share their stories in this way was, was incredibly, incredibly special. What was it like to see the life that the cookbook took on after it was published being included in, you know, the best books of 20, was it 2019 for the Globe and Mail and being (laughs) shortlisted for the BC book prizes? What was that like to see the response? I think we're both still pinching ourselves <laughs> within what we expected. We we always, whenever we do a book, we really hope that it does well and that people appreciate it and, and that it, yeah, that it lands, like I said, on people's kitchen counters. That's where we, where we hope that it will be. And so for it to um, kind of take on a life of its own and, and be its own person and do those things is, is really, really special. What have been some of the surprising uh, or uplifting comments you've heard about the book? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I think the uh, being named um, one of the contenders for the BC Book Prize and uh, and the Globe and Mail were definitely, yeah, we're still kind of taken aback that, that that's a reality. But yeah, just hearing even just the way that you described the, the burgers, um, to me, it's just so heartening to know that people are actually enjoying the recipes and they're trying them. And um, there was a spread, I think it was in the National Post for Thanksgiving, about an apple cheddar galette that Danielle made. And then um, it's like a hot apple cider drink um, for Thanksgiving. And to be able to see that and, you know, hear people's responses of like, oh, I made that for, for Thanksgiving dinner. It's like being able to kind of have a small small seat at someone's table and be a part of their family and to be able to share something like that. It's just, like I said, it's really special. Yeah. How did the experience of making Cedar and Salt compare to uh, working on the other books that you've done? Um, Well, this one definitely involved more travel and a different kind of research, I guess. So the other books I've done are, um, they're hyper-local, some of them definitely hyper-specific, but this one was definitely more broad. And I loved that, that it really encapsulated a place and, and a region, and it shared the stories of, of the people who live here. Uh, the other books I've done haven't necessarily been as, as story-based. And so I think being able to really capture and be here and share the story of where we live was, yeah, was different, I guess, than, than the other books that I've done. Yeah, you feel like you have to go the extra level when it's your your hometown or your home island in this case. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much to Emily for being on the podcast. And thank you for listening and supporting Writing the Coast. It means a whole ton that you take half hour out of your day to listen to these conversations. And I know it means a lot to the authors as well. If you're interested in discovering more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, get lost in our website. The website is bcyukonbookprizes.com. 
And if you want to stay in the loop about other things going on in the literary community in BC, what's going on with the prizes as well, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Next time on the podcast, you'll hear my conversation with Chantal Gibson, author of the book of poetry, How She Read. Until we meet again over the podcast airwaves, I hope you enjoy the sunshine wherever you find yourself, support your local booksellers, and read some great books.